The What Happens in Vegas podcast is hosted by Dr. Stephanie Canistrero, who is a functional medicine practitioner and owner of the Vegas Clinic. Through each episode, Dr. Stephanie will share her wealth of knowledge and insights from being in the functional medicine industry for more than 10 years. Through solo and guest episodes, the What Happens in Vegas podcast will break down the fundamentals of how our bodies function and tangible ways to maintain a healthy mind, body, and soul. She will welcome experts from around the world to discuss gut health, high performance, biohacking, longevity, and so much more. Listen in each week to learn and leave empowered with tangible knowledge to enhance and live your best life. Barely even scratches the surface now of how much we are bombarded from frequencies to our nervous system. Dr. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So I have been following you for years now and you kind of have a different approach to, well, a different approach than me as a chiropractor. And I just want to know how you got into this field because it is like very niche and explain to everyone your field and what your day looks like and how, yeah, just how you got into it in general. (laughs) Well, that's a loaded question. Um, I know. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Now, it's funny because I don't really have, you know, like a typical getting into chiropractic story. Um, a lot of chiropractors do where they have, you know, like a magical adjustment and, you know, they were like, okay, you know, this is what I want to do and or what I want to go into. You know, I got introduced to chiropractic really early on or not really early. I was about a teenager with some back issues. It was just traditional chiropractic. And uh, that was kind of, you know, I grew up in a very rural country uh, system. So that's kind of all that we were exposed to. So I remember trying that a few times because I used to play volleyball in high school, but it wasn't actually until I was in college when I came down with an infectious disease that we found out later that it was with actually the help of a chiropractor that helped me not only diagnose it, but also to get the proper treatment for it. So it wasn't necessarily like I had, you know, this coming to adjustment. It was just their ability to think outside of the box for me. Yeah. Um, For years, I was kind of trapped in the Western system through this process. You know, being where I was, I wasn't I didn't, we didn't really know about it. We didn't really know options for it. And so we went the restaurant route for a couple of years, but I just kept getting sicker and sicker. And so we got introduced to a chiropractor back home who, um, like I said, he just thought outside of the box. He helped us with uh, situations. And so when I started seeing him, I started seeing him for a couple of years and I was probably about like 45% better. And I said, you know, I got to go back to school because uh, at this time I was um, 20. So I said, I got to go back to school. I got to learn. There's got to be something else that will help me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I went back to school. I was still very sick, but, you know, by the grace of God, he got me through. And I was deciding at that point if I wanted to be a nature path or if I wanted to be chiropractor. And the chiropractor just encouraged me to do chiropractic because you can kind of specialize in anything after that. So I decided to do a chiropractic school and it was about a year into chiropractic school that I got introduced to one of my mentors who is a certified craniopath. I had no idea what it was. You know, they don't teach this stuff in school. 
And it was just, you know, I was in the right environment. I was in the right place to be introduced to the right people. Um, I used to suffer from chronic migraines and, and jaw issues and neck pain and posture issues. And I kind of attributed it to all of the stuff that I dealt with prior to that, with the infections and all of those, you know, things I had no idea it could be involved in my brain and my nervous system because I had already had so much chiropractic care. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he really introduced me to that. That was the start of it. I trained under him for about three years, even after school. And then, you know, when I relocated my practice to San Diego, I took it and I just, I love learning. I love soaking in information. So I took the foundation of what he taught me. I really built on it. I learned way more about airway and tongue, the tongue movement and, you know, a lot more neurological stuff and dentistry. I work a lot with dentists and orthodontists. So, you know, it's a lot more work, but I had to learn that in order to get the results that I have now for myself, but also for my patients to help them navigate these really tough cases as well. So now I have the experience to do that, but I realize that health is a combination of things. It's a com- it's not just one system. And so that's really how I run, I run my practice now is, you know, how I wish I kind of would have been treated, but also I, I recognize, and I know the facets of health there's different layers of that. So that's kind of how my practice works and how when patients come in, we run through those systems. Can you explain to people those systems? Cause I know what you're talking about and you've put it together so eloquently telling your story, but people still don't understand. There's like the structural component. So like the hands-on component, there's mental, emotional component. There's the toxins in our body component. There's what you mentioned is like, the airway and all of that. Like, it's funny because I kind of saw you talking about airway and then, you know, it didn't really resonate at the time because we're busy in our lives. Not that it didn't. It's just, and then I got sick again. Like I had my whole story and I was like, I'm so good. I went through my thing and I got sick again and it was brought to my attention, you know, that I had a tongue tie and I went to a myofunctional therapist. And then I was like, wait, I saw her doing something like that. And I like re went back to your page because you did the whole thing where you reformed your own airway, like, right. With your jaw, like the, so, so, I mean, I want to ask you about that, but like that also, cause this, the podcast is what happens in Vegas. And, you know, I named my clinic, the Vegas clinic, because I knew it was important and it does tie a lot of things together, but I didn't know the importance of the tongue and the airway and all of that. Like I knew that the tongue was connected, but I didn't know. So, you know, it's through our own kind of experiences and aha moments that even something speaks to you. Cause I was like, wow, that's crazy what she's doing. And like, but I didn't understand it. And now I'm like, wow, airway, hugely important. So I kind of want to know like your, even your story about like, how you ended up finding the person, because then I started learning, okay, then there's people that can kind of try to start to do that stuff and then screw up your airway. So what, what was your story with that? Yeah. So I'll kind of explain first the facets of health and then I can get into, you know, more in depth of of my specific journey with my airway Mm -hmm. because everybody's different. So you have to know that, you know, yeah, hundred percent. It's unique. Um, So if we look at health and the entirety of health, uh, the whole umbrella of holistic health, which is, you know, what I practice and preach is 
we understand that health is not just one specific system. It's a collection of things. And in my practice, and I also, also go in depth of this really well in my uh, book, but there's three specific phases of health that I focus on in my practice. So the first kind of phase of health is the mechanics, how fluids flow, how oxygen gets to your body, how your organs are moving, your muscles are moving, your joints, uh, and all of the systems of your body are moving. Uh, what's the environment like of your brain, of those nerves, of you know your organs and whatnot? Because a lot of individuals, when they search for health um, answers, they're really there's a really strong focus on the chemical part, which is very important, and that's mm -hmm. the phase two of health as well. But we're really electrochemical beings, and you know electrically we have to make sure that foundationally our brain and all of the nerves and all of the fluids in our body are flowing to get nutrients where we need them to go mm -hmm. uh, to get out dead toxic waste uh, mm -hmm. to replenish with new fluids and new tissues um, and oftentimes as patients are coming into my office as you know being a practitioner almost every single person is in sympathetic overload uh, where they're wired and tired, they're constantly running, um, their nervous system is, you know, very dysregulated. So that's for me where I always focus with people because if their airways compromise, if they're clenching and grinding all of the time, if their fascia is completely tense and tight, it doesn't matter what supplement I give them, they're not going to absorb it because your brain and your nervous system only care about survival. So they're going to focus on what is going to keep that person alive. And if fluids aren't flowing, if the nerves don't have oxygen, if they don't have movement, if the brain doesn't have a good environment, guess what? All of that really great supplements you're taking, they're going to go right out into the toilet. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's my first goal with individuals is finding out mechanically where are their limitations um, and I can go into that in, a in depth in a minute. The second kind of phase of health is then the biochemistry. So now that we've got your drainage open, things are flowing, uh, nerves are, are communicating, your brain is communicating, typically what happens is then things start coming out. So whether it's toxins, whether it's chemicals, whether it's hidden infections, mm -hmm. uh, those start coming to the surface. And so then we have to determine, okay, how is not only how is this person's diet, but how are they really digesting what they're uh, intaking? Are there specific toxins and pathogens and chemicals in their body that we now need to, that's also disrupting the nervous system in the body. Um, and I do that by neutrogenomics. So I really focus on customization protocols for my patients based on their genetics, lifestyle, stress, and, uh, you know, their diet and toxin load and all of that. So that's very customized for my patients, but that's key. That's your foundation of how you build your body. And then the third layer of health is the emotional brain or stress, right? So I recognize and I realize that in order to get someone to their health goals, because I always ask people, what are their goals? You know, not necessarily what your pain is, but what is your goal? Yeah. In order to get them there, I explain that to each patient because 
It may be just one of those phases of care. It may be, okay, we've got to this level, but now we've, we're, we're there, but now we need to go into this phase and we need to work on cleaning your system or whatever it is. Uh, and when they really grasp that, you know, they do so well through my program of treatment care and they get it and they realize the process of it. it's not an immediate, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we recognize, okay, if we're, if we're not getting there, then there's something we're missing within those three phases of care. So we kind of mm-hmm. do those. Yeah, that's amazing. And I like how you break it down. I didn't realize you wrote a book. I saw your Vegas nerve ebook. Yeah. But you, so you wrote another one. Um, the, the ebook is just like a tiny little section. From yeah. The, yeah. Okay. So I just took it, uh, from one of the chapters of my book that I released last year. And so it's just like the tiniest little chunk of it. Um, it's a pretty big book. It took me about three years. So it's got a lot of information in there about all of those layers that I just talked about. Yeah. I'm going to read it for sure. I haven't yet, but I did see your, your um, little, the, the vagus nerve part. And I was like, yes, she gets it, but I already knew that. So, okay. So can you even walk me through like, like, so everyone gets manual care and you do the interpretation in the labs and you do like mental, emotional work, like for everyone kind of thing. Person, Yeah. I would say a good majority will kind of go through those processes because when individuals understand it and you know, when we get really clear on their goals, then mm-hmm. they're totally on board, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say with, you know, the advanced cranial work that I do in my office with all of the other neurological stuff, people feel different in the first session. It's just mm-hmm. so impactful when you reset the nervous system um, and get like, like they'll just melt on my table. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're already like, wow, I can feel so much different how do I keep this, maintain this? Mm-hmm. How do I elevate this? And so mm-hmm. when my patients, you know, I educate them really well and they understand that, then a lot of them absolutely are on board and they're like, okay, you know, when can I do the nutrition? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you do, virt- do, you do virtual too for people that want to see you virtually? Do you do that when possible? I do virtual for nutrition. Obviously I can't do it for the other. Um, yeah, of course. Of course. Part. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. I do virtual for uh, the nutritional part because that's very different too. Yeah. yeah. And do you do muscle testing? I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, you do. Is that, is that a big part of your, is that how you choose supplements? Does it help you diagnose? Is it what, what, are, and tell people what muscle testing is in case they don't know. <laughs> yeah. So there's different, um, there's different layers of muscle testing. I was trained from the school of applied kinesiology. And so mm-hmm. I took some advanced courses in learning um, about kinesiology testing. So I think muscle testing is kind of a loose term uh, yeah. for things. So. Uh, there's really a, a art to it, a skill to it, um, mm-hmm. but it's just another tool in our toolbox. So since our bodies are electric, you know, our nervous system firing, our hearts, if you've ever seen a heart monitor, we know that we have electricity running through our body. And because we're electrochemical beings, mm-hmm. um, there can be changes that happen within that electricity of our body that affect how we function. And so when I'm looking at someone's biochemistry, absolutely, most of the time, I'm going to do labs. 
it's also very important to make sure you're looking at labs functionally and running the right labs uh, for the right things, because that's also very important. It's not mm-hmm. always just blood. And oftentimes I'll also run genetics with people to see, uh, I use a, a private lab that keeps everything secure and it's really excellent. They do these real customized programs. So I take all of that information and I say, okay, I know some of their limitations here. Um, I know currently with the labs what's happening, but we also recognize that labs are imperfect. So, you know, especially if we think of blood and they're taking our blood, they're only really getting a snapshot of what's happening in that one particular moment of time. And there are some lab markers that, you know, look for longer amounts of time, like your uh, hemoglobin A1C and some other markers. But in general, you're taking a snapshot of what's happening. So, you know, the whole entirety of that for that person, lab testing isn't going to show that. And so you'll hear it time and time again with so many practitioners. I feel awful, but my doctor's saying my labs look great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all the time. All the time. So we recognize, okay, there's there's a functional lens we have to look at labs. Mm-hmm. And one of those functional lenses is we also have to recognize that labs are imperfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where kinesiology developed for the nutritional aspect so it's been used for lots of more of the mechanical stuff for years and years and years um but then you know the developers also found that there's muscle connections to organs and there's muscle connections to uh different you know chemical natures of our body and you know actual acupuncturists with chinese medicine have known this forever with meridians those Mm -hmm. are the channels Mm -hmm. so Kinesiology in itself is just another tool we have in our toolkit to Mm -hmm. train the body. So Mm -hmm. I use it in combination and I look through all of what's called methylation with people. And that's how I really specifically customize specific nutrients, all of the enzymes in their body, put it together with our labs. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I use kinesiology testing a lot. I found lots of hidden things. Uh, That's initially how they found the infections in me because they didn't show up in labs. Yeah, of course. Um, So that's, you know, where I'm able to kind of help people find real stealth hidden things there as well. Yeah. And so does that have to be in person for you or do you do any of the, because the applied kinesiology is in person, right? As far, or like, can you do it energetically, like from a distance? Yeah, you know, um, originally I just do it in person, but with everything that happened, you know, with people not leaving their homes, even though I never closed and did any of that nonsense, yeah, but, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, God really helped me develop a way to do that virtually. So mm-hmm. there's something called surrogate testing where you can use another person uh, through another sample of DNA. Mm-hmm. So I do that for people virtually. And, you know, at first we learn about it, but I was always like, eh, you know, yeah, same. it never fails. Like yeah. I've been able to literally match it with blood work, match it with other testing, like wow. 99% of the time. So it's super accurate if you know how to do it correctly and yeah. it really well. So that's how I do it virtually as well. Yeah. Do you feel like if your energy's off, like you can't, as efficient one day do you ever go like today I just can't muscle test or is it sure I mean personally no for me Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm very intentional about my days and setting Mm -hmm. up my mornings and if I feel rushed in the morning I'll even just take a couple minutes 
and before I start seeing patients. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, I think it's with everything. You yeah. Know, what is your intention for treating that person? What is your intention for what you find? Mm-hmm. Even when you know you're like, oh, okay, I think I should run that lab for that person. Um, if you're feeling off or you know, whatever feeling you might miss that that's what you need to run. So I think it's with every type of just being a practitioner, you know, it's it's intentionally, okay. You know, when I get to my office, like this is the time that I've designated to be all in for them. And when Mm -hmm. I leave my office, it's no more of them. Yeah. (laughs) See, you sound like you have good boundaries. A lot of practitioners don't, including myself. It took me a long time to like learn that and start to actually, follow that for myself as a and one of the lessons was the flare in my health just recently that is always teaching you something right but we talk about frequency and you know like you're talking about like we all have frequency and what about all of these new changes in frequency man-made frequencies that are coming at us like like I've personally have seen it get harder you have to be even more intentional to help someone with this kind of change in the fields coming at people. Like, have you noticed anything like that? Oh, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we, you know, live in this super technological world, we're seeing health decline, you know, and mm-hmm. more technology can be great for some things, but you know, it's, it's naive to think that as an electrical person, yeah. electrical being, that mm-hmm. adding more electrical currents around you won't affect your electricity in the yeah. way that you function. Yeah. And so, you know, I talk about EMFs in my book a lot too, and how that disrupts a lot of people's nervous system. And it's just getting more and more loads. So it's mm-hmm. not now that 5G is more, it is. But you have to think about 5G is now added on 3G and 4G and 2G. So now we have all these Gs. All the frequencies, all the different wavelengths. Radiation poisoning, you know? So your body then has to to deal with that. And so um, most of my patients are educated in EMF remediation, Uh, especially if you're living in a city. You can't avoid it. If you're living in the country, you're going to be a lot better off as far as your load of EMFs being way down, but you just can't avoid it. So you have to have EMF remediation and you just have to be cognizant of uh, if you're on technology all the time, not only being remediated, but also what practices are you doing in your life? Because I think a lot of people especially when we talk about, you know, the vagus nerve and the nervous system, it's like, okay, I'm doing the stimulation, but then like 95% of the day, they're stressed out. All the rest. Yeah, I know. I know. It's not a, it's definitely a drop oh. in the proverbial bucket. Yes. It's, or, you know, my patients come in and they're like, you know, doing so much and they come in and they're just like, okay, you know, fix me. And I'm like, yeah. That's not how it works. It's like one hour out of your week, you know, I know I, I, yeah. And I get it. I mean, life can get so busy, especially in busy seasons. Yeah. Um, So it's really about redirecting your day, planning your day. Yeah. So what's some examples of like remediation for people for EMF, if they want to, you know, lower their load or burden on their body? So I'm not an EMF expert, 
I work with one who I refer my patients to because actually um, it's called the EMF pro. He's okay. a local person here mm-hmm. um, and he goes to my patient's homes and mm-hmm. he checks for how much they will actually need to remediate their home. Mm-hmm. So most of my patients, you know, they have their home or office. My whole office is remediated and then I wear personal protection too. So the only way to really combat radiation is you have to combat it with another form of energy to change the frequency into a harmonious frequency instead of something that hinders you. Yeah. So, you know, we used to say before 5G and all of this stuff, turn off your phone at night, turn off mm-hmm. your Wi-Fi, don't have your phone on your body, which mm-hmm. is all still true, mm-hmm. but that barely even scratches the surface now of how much we are bombarded from frequencies to our nervous system. We're literally mm-hmm. buzzing. So inevitably, the more radiated we get, the more protection we get. And that's even true for myself personally. Like before 5G, I only had to wear like a couple uh, personal protection now I have to wear like six so yeah. it's just you have to realize that mm-hmm. the more the stronger it is the more it's yeah. you yeah what's the some examples of your personal protection like I think people will want to know when they're listening yeah and I yeah. can actually link you to his website because I yeah. use all of his products uh-huh. uh, there's lots of products that people find on Instagram and whatnot and they don't that really don't work Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want someone that specifically tests um, how well they're protecting you and how well they're protecting your home with mm-hmm. uh, different meters and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So he would probably be the one to ask about that. It's it's specific like earth elements. Okay. Right? Yeah. That. Yeah. So okay. they've crafted them in the way I don't even know if he tells what they're what they all are. Yeah. Uh, but they're crafted in a way that basically turn. It's called scalar energy. They turn it yeah. into a harmonious energy. Yeah, um, so it's not a direct wave hitting your body. It's scalar. Yeah. Humans are used to waves hitting them, not direct kind of yes. radiation. Yeah. It's just basically earth materials that I wear against my body. Um, I have them on each of my walls of my office mm-hmm. because, you know, I share the office with other people. And so mm-hmm. I don't wear Wi-Fi. Their energy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically just different elements. And then, you know, we do all those safe practices too. Like I don't wear anything Bluetooth on my body. Um, I don't wear the headphones. I don't wear the watches. I don't mm-hmm. wear the sleep meters. And that's mm-hmm. such a scam. Like people get They're those on your body meters. all day. Yeah, people get those sleep meters and, you know, they're like, well, I'm trying to do something healthy and see how I'm sleeping. And like, it's actually disrupting your sleep. I know. <laughs> um, so, you know, all of those safe things to help as much yeah. as, and, you know, when I go on an airplane, that's more radiation. So I'm going to do practices after that. So yeah, that's a whole other topic, but yeah, yeah, I know I do like a blanket that I'm like wrapped in and I have like different rocks on me and I'm like. I just, you, you do everything you can. I even had a grounding bracelet, which really helped me a lot. Cause I was having heart palps. I was really scared to fly, but it was kind of like I needed to, and I wore it and I didn't have any palps while I had it on. So, yeah. you know, it, it just helps you give off because part of my problem was 
I was like static like this and my heart was palping and I was shocking everything, which mold can do, lime can do, you know, all of the EMF coming at us, heavy metals that are already in our body. Like it's usually something that's already in your body, but I am so sensitive to EMF before I even knew what it was. Like one of my patients bought me the Apple watch and I, I wore it and I had aching in my wrist, like, and I never wore it again. I had the brand new thing. I literally never wore it. And that was just me. And then I just saw it like everywhere. And then there's all these different wearables and the, you know, I'm wearing hardwired headphones. Like I tried to put those headphones in once it was like, like, I just, I am, I still need, I'm still working on my frequency. So I know exactly what you're, what you're kind of getting at, but, and, but I just find that it's really important to mitigate or, you know, go on the earth and ground and all of the stuff to help you kind of um, get rid of that, like, like dirty electricity in your body, like depolarize it onto something else. So like for people that aren't feeling well or super anxious, that can be part of it too. Absolutely. But, and then, I mean, you talked about oxygen, right? You're like part of the, one of your pillars of health is like oxygen has to get to tissue. So that's kind of brings us back to the airway. Cause a lot of people don't, know that they have upper airway resistance or they're just not getting enough oxygen. There's multiple reasons to not get enough oxygen, but you have to be able to breathe properly and especially at night. Right. So can you kind of share the importance of that? And then even your airway experience, like, like Mm -hmm. tongue tie, anything like that for people. Yeah. So all kind of preface it and and go back actually to how we're born and how we're formed because this mm-hmm. is where this stuff starts from mm-hmm. this is the one of the reasons the major reasons that i uh now in my practice treat children yeah little babies no no <laughs> i oh, didn't wow. that way because i didn't have training teaching or treating kids mm-hmm. and i was like you know i don't i don't really know i love kids but it's yeah me too <laughs> It's a whole different energy. So it took me a few years of training uh, cranial work specifically for babies before I started treating a lot of children. Mm-hmm. But I realize now this is where all of this starts. So mm-hmm. uh, what people need to know is even in the womb, as you're formed, you're formed in response to the environment of your mom. You're formed in response to the genetics of both of your parents. Um, to their stress load, to what they're eating, what they're intaking. That's how your uh, body is formed, right? Now, there can be genetic factors to where certain um, areas, bones in your face are smaller. Uh, They're narrower. Your jaw is small. There can be genetic factors of that now. And that's just because of how functionally we've evolved over Mm -hmm. the past hundreds of years. Mm -hmm fat food and because of toxicities we now have super small mouths Mm -hmm. and so genetically there's now a lot of links uh, as to even in the womb children are already set up for airway issues because of all of these now genetic factors so there's that and then also in the womb there could be presence of toxins and pathogens there could also be where the baby is developing something called a tongue tie. Uh, they could also be a tongue. It could be uh, your lips. They can be in your cheeks. 
Um, I've literally seen infants where their entire mouth was tied. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, these are a mix of the genetic factors in the environment that that child has to grow and develop. So it's very important if you're wanting to have children to clean up your genetics before you have children, mm -hmm. uh, because you can actually affect and, and not have a lot of these issues if you do that. But regardless of that, so just talking about in the womb, that's where we can already develop airway issues. Then we go into the process of birth. So birth is our first physical trauma to our body. Birth is trauma. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unnecessary. It's traumatic for sure. <laughs> traumatic for mom. It can be traumatic for baby. And there's yes. so many different factors of that. There's lots of birth interventions now. Unfortunately, birth is seen as a medical procedure. Mm -hmm. And so the child is pulled out or pull, you know, pushed out or whatever to save the mom sometimes. But that's just because of all these improper birthing procedures. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the child may or the mom may be in labor for extended hours and pushing for extended hours. Mm -hmm. That is a lot of stress on the head and the spine and the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And then there are C-sections. So where the baby does not have proper contraction through the birth canal, they are still stuck in a position, but then they're pulled out. Mm -hmm. So they don't get what we call cranial molding to move the fluids, to mm -hmm. uh, start their hormone production, mm -hmm. to begin to start the connection to their gut brain and mm -hmm. get colonized to their gut. Yeah. So a lot of C-section babies, you'll find really early in their life, they have lots of health problems mm -hmm. because of just the process of C-section. And obviously for emergency procedures, it's necessary, not disregarding yeah. that, but it's really overused. I have moms that come in and they're just like, oh, oh I'm just doing a plan. Plan C-section. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, why? No. I don't want to be in pain. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, can't do that. Yeah. Uh, so this is real critical because, and why children looking at the airway is a huge critical part of health and vitality as an adult. Mm -hmm. So they could be, have genetic factors. They could have tongue, mouth, cheek restrictions, mm -hmm. and then they have a traumatic birth. Mm -hmm. And then the parent doesn't really breastfeed them because mm -hmm. they're having all of these challenges with breastfeeding because of all those things. That's the ties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's just a lack of education, even a lot of lactation consultants, if they do end up getting that a lot of pediatricians, you know, they're only taught about one hour or maybe a couple hours, maybe one little course about tongue ties. Mm -hmm. So someone really taking the time to learn about it, you know, we can screen properly for these things. So for me personally, I don't know a whole lot about my birth. I think it was pretty quick, but I definitely had a tongue tie. I had uh, lip and cheek ties. Mm -hmm. um, I had a super, I still have quite a bit of narrow face, even though I fixed some of it. Mm -hmm. um, there's just limitations as an adult to how much you can do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I posted a video a couple of weeks ago, uh, just about kind of my airway journey and it's in my highlights. And you can okay, see really early on as a young child, all of the, we call facial distortions that were already occurring. Mm -hmm. Now, I also grew up in a moldy house, mm -hmm. which mold in itself causes airway issues. Why? Well, because a lot of people, you know, they get really congested, especially if you're really sensitive to mold, mm -hmm. and then they start becoming mouth breathers because mm -hmm. they can't breathe. Mm 
or maybe they have a lot of allergies because of the mold or they have all of this intestinal inflammation. So Mm -hmm. you can see really clearly, I got dark puffy eyes. Um, Mm -hmm. I have one eye that's a little bit smaller than the other, which, Mm -hmm. you know, all of your skull bones move. Mm -hmm. You can see that after birth, they they look sometimes little cone heads. Don't stop moving as an adult. They still move. Yeah. Just Uh, more subtle. They're more subtle. Yeah. Mm so you can see all these things. You can see um, I had a receded, very narrow jaw. So you can see all these things really early and you can screen kids for, you know, are they breathing with their mouth open? A lot of times parents use pacifiers for way too long and that ruins their airway and their palate. What about thumbs too? Thumb sucking as well. Mm-hmm. And typically with the thumb sucking, the child is trying to stimulate what's called dopamine. Mm-hmm. I just found that out recently mm-hmm. to podcast, which is super interesting. <laughs> but um, right behind the teeth, uh, there's receptors for dopamine. Yeah. And so if that child, say they have a tongue restriction and their tongue is not lifting to the roof of their mouth, they're not swallowing, breathing properly. They're doing the tongue or the, the thumb sucking, for instance, to basically stimulate the dopamine. Because a lot of times they'll do it to like soothe themselves right? So if we get um, the cranial system and all of the fascial dynamics of the spine and the head and the neck all together, we begin to balance those after birth really early on. Mm -hmm. We screen for tongue restrictions and all that really early on. Mm -hmm. That child will grow out of all of those genetic limitations. Yeah, It's quite powerful, Mm -hmm. but also you know, a lot of times with the thumb sucking, they're trying to stimulate that dopamine release because their tongue's not doing it. Their body's not doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times they already have a super narrow, high palate. Mm -hmm. We'll have to know by palate, I mean the upper part of your mouth where your upper teeth are. That is wide enough. Yeah. Floor of your sinus cavity. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people with breathing issues they're going to an ENT and they're only looking at the sinus sinus. Mm -hmm. and they say, Oh, you know, it looks fine. Um, Mm -hmm. But a lot of airway starts upper airway. It starts with the palate. You know, there's Mm -hmm. also problems in the lower airway with tonsils and restriction there as well. Mm -hmm. But, and then they just take them out typically. Yeah. And honestly, for some cases if it's very severe too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've seen it. It's like this much space. It's like, and you try the things to make them smaller, maybe a few weeks until the, like you do, but I I've had one where we could get them down, but yeah, some of them are just, that's just how they're going to stay no matter what. Well, I pretty much do it in cases of children because yeah, we have a very small window of growth and development within mm-hmm. the palate and within the face. Mm-hmm. So if that child has already developed mouth breathing. They already have a long face. We kind of have a more limited time range. I'm seeing them later in life, you know? Mm-hmm. We kind of have a limited time range of how we can change the structure of their face before it starts solidifying more for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So in those cases, I'm like, yes, absolutely. We're gonna work on getting fluids moving, your lymphatic system, your cranial motion. We're gonna work nutritionally on getting your inflammation down. But if we don't see something happen pretty drastically in a few weeks, then I will have them take them out because Mm -hmm. 
in the timeline that we have to fix those problems, Mm -hmm. they're going to develop a huge airway issue. And then huge risk as an adult or older, right? Like, and I've seen those kiddos that are very severe. I mean, you know, usually they have all these other things going on, but I mean, even just removing the tonsils, for instance, and the tongue restriction, usually I'll have them do it at the same time with a pediatric Mm -hmm. ENT here. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the parents, you know, that's not a lot of kids. I do that, but the ones that I do, the parents Mm -hmm. will say, oh my gosh, like they're not disruptive anymore. Mm -hmm. They're, they can totally focus. Um, They're going to the bathroom better. Like, you know, their nervous system isn't so stressed because they don't have oxygen. You have to realize that oxygen is key for survival. So if you are restricted in your oxygen, if you're clenching and grinding your teeth, that's a huge sign that your oxygen is deficient. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if you can't fully breathe out of your nose, uh, or if you do find yourself waking up in the morning and your mouth is dry, your mouth breathing all night, you know, you can have chest tightness for sure. You can get chronic sinus infections. A lot of mm-hmm. teeth infections are because you're not, uh, a lot of the bacteria in our mouth, they like not having oxygen. So mm-hmm. if you're not exchanging oxygen, breathing through your nose properly, then mm-hmm you're going to be predispositioned to a lot of mouth infections, gut infections even. So, you know, we all go back and this kind of focuses in that first phase of health again mm-hmm. is if someone is an airway case, then that is kind of the first tier that we need to focus on because you can do relaxation stuff quite often, but there's every time they chew food, <laughs> every time they swallow, their mm-hmm. body is going to go back into sympathetic dominance, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they have a tongue tie too, because they're mm-hmm. not going to be able to breathe all the way into their diaphragm well. So, you know, we have all these tools that are extremely uh, valid and extremely helpful to help mm-hmm. people get back into parasympathetic, but airway issues um, are very challenging to get a patient to remain in that and you'll see that you know the patients will keep coming in for the same things and that's because they're not getting enough oxygen yeah that's really key there it feels like it's almost everyone now like do you know what I mean like everyone has sleep apnea everyone has a CPAP everyone like it's so I guess it's just more toxic and then there's the whole weakening of your nervous system like if you already have a low tongue posture can it go lower like like do you know what I mean because yeah or people that didn't snore all of a sudden like snoring a ton which is one of the more obvious signs of like upper or or airway problems at all but it's yeah I find it really it's definitely more common and Mm -hmm. you know all of those things I mentioned previously the genetics the birth did they get some body work care after birth that's Mm -hmm. really important did they deal with the tongue tie and all of that stuff very important Mm -hmm. Um, and we just have more education about that stuff now did they breastfeed or did were they put straight on a formula which is super inflammatory a lot of Mm -hmm. them and uh creates congestion you'll hear them there's babies snoring snoring because they're already developing airway issues because the formula is not real food Mm -hmm. um So, you know, there's all those things. And then as an adult, of course, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, a super fast paced society, there's toxic load, Mm -hmm. 
a lot of toxic load. So um, a lot of people then as an adult, which is part of what I um, had to uh, undo mm-hmm. is they'll, they'll get braces or they'll, they'll get um, uh, specific types of orthodontia and it's not the right yeah. Or they didn't fix their tongue. I heard that you can get these braces. And then if your tongue is the wrong posture, you just keep giving yourself buck teeth or whatever it is, because like we do, do still have the, like, that's, that is evidence that there's still some sort of ability to change even adults. Right. Cause you can straighten their teeth and then they go back. Yeah. But yeah. it's so my process of what I went through, and this is how I uh, with babies, it's a bit different because they don't have all these patterns that we did as an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so teeth, teeth are an extension of bone. Mm-hmm. Okay, your teeth grow in response to how all of your bones are moving up here. Mm-hmm. So you can see this even as a child, but if we're just talking about an adult and they have crowded teeth. Um, that's usually why people go get braces is because aesthetically they want their teeth to look nicer, but yeah, you yeah. have to realize that teeth are an extension of bone. And so if we go in and we pull those teeth a certain direction, mm-hmm. but we did not fix neurologically tension wise, why the teeth were in that position, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Oh, well, that's going to super confuse your brain because <laughs> your brain yeah grew those teeth there for a reason yeah well as an adult we have to know okay there's a bit of backpedaling we have to do Mm -hmm. to get you to where you want to go do they have uh, first i always work on cranial opening all this up secondly uh they if they have a tongue tie they probably developed all of these improper posture mouth postures Mm -hmm. mouth breathing they're swallowing not correctly they're not breathing Mm -hmm. correctly so I have to go back with my patients and either refer to the myofunctional therapist or Paul to help them retrain that. Mm-hmm. And then we go through the tongue tie release if they need that. Mm-hmm. And then we say, okay, you know, depending on how they're doing, mm-hmm. depending on how narrow their palate, because if you have crooked teeth, you most likely have a very narrow palate and not just width, also uh, front to back mm-hmm. is also a narrowness there as well. So mm-hmm. you have to get properly examined which way. Mm-hmm. Then there's lots of possibilities of how to then expand that. Mm-hmm. So that's a process you do before going in and straightening your teeth. Because a lot of individuals like myself as a teen, I had braces, uh, but they just tried to you know, straighten my teeth at first. And I came out of braces with extreme migraines, mm-hmm. further posture problems, mm-hmm. uh, back problems, because you have to know that there's a fascial system in your body and everything is connected. So there could be something tight in your jaw and it's affecting your foot. Exactly. (laughs) So all these really, we call it neurological disorganization. Mm -hmm. I never fixed all of those functional issues that I Mm -hmm. had. And Mm -hmm. so then as an adult, it's a lot harder. It's possible. You can do it. Yeah. you have to know the right order of how to do these things. Mm-hmm. So personally for myself, I did a few years of cranial work before I found out about all of these other things that I could do. Did myofunctional therapy for a year. Then I finally got my tongue released, my lips, my cheeks released. Mm. Okay. 
that in itself gave me a lot of neck relief, jaw release. Wow. Uh, but I was I'm excited. I'm getting my tongue and fascia cut. They said it's like a very bad tongue tie. So yeah. 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 I physically felt like my shoulders drop when they were lasering my tongue. Wow. So it's quite a, it's quite a, a different feeling. Um, yeah. And super important to yeah. take off those, you know, things that are pulling. And then after that, you know, I knew then I had to make a decision and this is how I guide my patients. Mm-hmm. Do you want to now at this point fix where the airway is compromised mm-hmm. or do you want to just stay where we've got you and try Optimize to optimize from the, yeah, yeah, with what you have. Yeah. Cause what I did is not everybody's forte. It's, it's tough. Yeah. So I made the decision okay, I'm going to start working on taking a couple of years and fixing my airway. So I did some conservative measures first, which I recommend hugely for children. You do not have to do harsh expanders and all of this headgear. Like the mild munchie stuff? I did something called alpha pliance. Okay. But there's also other ones for children. Oh, there's yeah. them now. Yeah. There's the brace, there's the alpha, there's something called the cruise or something called the DNA appliance. So mm-hmm. Every one of those appliances, you work with your airway dentist, mm-hmm. on which best would fit your child's personality. Some of those you just take in and out. Some of those they stay in there. So different ones work differently for different children. And so mm-hmm. that's, you know, what you'll decide was best for them. I tried the Alpha appliance. It did expand me a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but I was so narrow that Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel much different. And I was still severely clenching and I was still having to wear appliances at night um, Mm -hmm. in my bottom teeth just to help all of the clenching. So then I found someone uh, near LA who did the procedure on myself where I had something actually implanted into my palate and pulled it apart. So that took a Is it like this slow expander with the key? It is a key, but yeah. actually drilled into your head. Ah, yes. So this went went against all of my cranial knowledge. I was like, I. It took me a while to. Yeah. Okay, am I really going to do this? Because my only other option was surgery to surgically open my palate, and I know I didn't want surgery. Although this feels like surgery, it's very intense. But I researched it. I learned about it. The guy that did it with me, he teaches it. So he's done thousands of people. Mm-hmm. So I felt very uh, comfortable with him. I mean, he probably got sick of me because I just was like, <laughs> what if this happens? <laughs> yeah. I just have so much cranial knowledge. So I'm just like, this goes against what I know. I know. But you have to understand that there are certain circumstances where things like surgery and other things are necessary. Of course. And Obviously, we kind of have to pick up all of the stuff that happens because of such a severe thing. Like mm-hmm. if I didn't have cranial work with this procedure, I have no idea how people uh, handle it. And I think mm-hmm. they just take lots of pain meds and ruin their kidneys Yeah, uh, because it was very intense. But I can tell you after expanding, uh, my sleep is dramatically better. My energy is dramatically better. And so changing your, your airway structure is super important. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are ways to do it as an adult. It's just, you want to find the right provider that walks you through those steps. So that's honestly why people are just comfortable here. Cause I've been through it. 
mm-hmm. uh, guide you through it. But also my journey is not necessarily going to be their journey. No, um, but you still have insight. It still counts like for everyone, even though it's not going to be exactly the same. But it's also important if you're doing some type of structural change to your body where you're forcing something, you need to adapt your nervous system to that. So mm-hmm. you need to get some type of chiropractic or cranial chiropractic or uh, you know, whatever type of work to help adapt your nervous system to that. Cause I can tell you as they were pulling apart my head, my nervous system, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I definitely couldn't handle that right now, <laughs> you know, to get them care as they're going and help their system adapt to that change. And it's so much easier uh, to do that. It's also more successful because you mm-hmm. don't have things, you know, pulling back because you didn't fix the structural pattern. So that's, you know, a good majority of my airway issues. But if I had to do it again, I would, even though it's painful because you breathe, when you can breathe effectively and you go back in your life and you're like, oh my gosh, I just really couldn't breathe. Like yeah, enjoy, enjoy running. I didn't enjoy any of that stuff because yeah. I, <laughs> and so you okay know, I'm really excited to get my tongue tie cut now I was like oh it's like in a couple weeks like oh you'll be I, fine tongue tie releases nothing oh I know that I I, <laughs> I know I'm just like like again my nervous system is so jacked like you know I named my clinic Vegas clinic I learned about the Vegas nerve because mine was shot it's not because it was functioning great right so yeah like it, it's just like any kind of intervention, I'm very reluctant to. So like, I'm always conservative with everything. Like I'm conservative with my manual treatment, with my acupuncture that I do to people with my supplements, like, because like, I'm a sensitive person, but just like you said, we're not all like that. So I'm working with these athletes and they're like, why do I have to start at one drop of something? And I'm like, you don't, I'm just being, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, we kind of project onto other people. So that's something that we all work on but you're right everyone's just so individualized it's all different stories but yeah like, and remember that vagus nerve it you know it starts at the back of the head here yeah it comes out of there and if we have um some of those fascial restrictions from the tongue and from the cheeks then it's not gonna make your vagus nerve work effectively no. so you know, you have to, to start up at the source mm-hmm. and also that vagus nerve continues all the way down to the diaphragm. So if you look at that anterior fascial plane mm-hmm. and you don't release it, then that's also going to affect the way your vagus nerve communicates from your gut and your brain as well. So that depends on the craniofacial dynamics that depends on the tongue restriction and dynamics there. Mm-hmm. You'll find after you heal. Mm-hmm. and whatnot because I mean it you know it's a little tender it's nothing crazy but no, no, no. um once you heal I think you'll find that wow you know a lot of my adult patients will say I can breathe so much better like through my diaphragm and my digestion is a bit better why is my digestion there oh okay fascial mm-hmm. and the vagus nerve there so yes very cool um so the podcast is called what happens in Vegas and so I just wanted to well, you just told us a Vegas tip, which was that anterior fascia, but other things that are like easy for people to do that you would, could share right now. One of the best things, and I know a lot of people talk about it and it's just cause it's important is effective breathing. So, you know, breathing through your nose is really critical to stimulating 
uh, your nervous system and relaxing your nervous system. So I typically have to teach my patients if they've had all of these problems, how to properly breathe <laughs> through their diaphragm. Mm -hmm. So they engage the vagus nerve, but then mm -hmm. also with their tongue to the roof of their mouth, through mm -hmm. their nose to exchange nitric oxide. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes just learning how to properly breathe is and, and doing that even maybe while you're sitting in the sun to get uh, some stimulation to your nervous system as well. If it's a cloudy, rainy day, you can use little hacks like red light therapy or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, those all kind of feed your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And uh, so breathing in itself for a lot of my patients is just breathing properly, I should say, is what really gets them uh, very more sustained there. Mm -hmm. And even in their everyday life, you know, if they're working out or they're mm -hmm. lifting kids or whatever, if they've tra uh, trained it well enough, then, you know, they can remain in that kind of parasympathetic mode. Um, I give lots of other tips for the vagus nerve in my book. Uh, but again, nerves need oxygen, they need movement, and they need fluid. If they don't have that, if they're stuck in pulling, then some of these activations probably aren't going to be too helpful until mm -hmm. you actually release some of those things. Mm -hmm. And then you'll find that it will be more successful for you. Mm -hmm. So where can people find you? Because, you know, you, we've brought up a lot of important topics, but, you know, there's always so much more. Yeah. Uh, well, social media, they can follow me. Uh, Dr. Rachel is my Instagram. Uh, I think my TikTok is Dr. Rachel Hamill. Uh, my website is drrachelhamill.com, uh, where they can sign up for my blog, uh, which I do every few months. Uh, I have my own podcast called Unfiltered Healing Podcast, uh, where I interview some awesome people too. Yeah, you know, they can now, I, I do like 10 minute phone consults for free in my practice. Um, so if someone has a question, maybe before, you know, scheduling with me or just like who to see for themselves, uh, I offer those as well. Amazing. Thank you. On Amazon as well. Your, oh, your book, what's it called? It's called Freedom Brain. Oh, I like it. I'm going to read it right after this tonight. I'm going to start. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all the amazing information. And I can't wait to, for everyone to hear this. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the What Happens in Vegas podcast. To help support the show, please leave us a rating and review. Also, head to VegasClinic.com. That's V-A-G-U-S Clinic.com to check out free resources, how to work with us, and more.